You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? All right, and we're back for another Imagine If Presents Characters 101. And this week we're doing a special character. Now, uh, Franny, even people who read comic books might not know this character all that well. Uh, would you? That's true. Right? No, that, that's very true. I mean, unless the only the only people I think that could really, really notice them is if you were big into Spider-Man in the 90s. Um, and then that kind of probably makes you want to forget this character. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're talking about is the Jackal. He's one of the villains from Spider-Man, or he's uh, he's a rogue of Spider-Man's. Uh, very, pretty much the main catalyst or the main foe during the the Clone Sagas, and and we will uh, get into that later as we usually do. But first, we want to talk about a little bit of comic book news. So, yep, so let's see. We will go to the new the comic book news editor in chief himself, Franey Christopher. What? <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a title. This is insane. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Okay, where are we, fans? Okay, so DC Rebirth is still coming at you live and on time. You know, uh, everything's been going good. Uh, books are shipping out. Everything's great. So let's see the big news. All right. If you haven't heard of this one, you should definitely check it out. It should be coming out next week. It's going to be All-Star Batman number one. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, All-Star Batman number one? Didn't I buy that years ago and they didn't <laughs> finish that book? Yes, that's true. This is All-Star Batman number one, volume two. Oh, but I thought um, that was called All-Star Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, good save. Well played. I like that. Mitch, now you're the new EIC. I'm just the, uh, I'm just the writer. <laughs> But uh, no, actually, that's that's a good point. Yeah, this is so. Actually, this is All Star Batman just itself. Um, what's neat about this volume is it's going to be written by Scott Snyder, and Scott Snyder was the man responsible for the Batman New Fifty Two book, and it was definitely one of the top three books during New Fifty Two. I mean, it was a fantastic read. So basically, this is going to be the way I envision the book. Do you remember that movie Midnight Run with Robert De Niro and I think it was Charles Gordon? I think that's the actor's name. Yes. So you know, you got this bounty hunter and then this goofy you know white collar criminal and and they're traveling across America because he arrests them in like L.A. and he's got to get them you know to New York. Well, that's what this book's going to be, except it's going to be Batman and Two Face. So Batman's <laughs> got to take Two Face out of you know Arkham out of Gotham and take him somewhere else. And of course, you know they're going to run into everybody along the way. Now, if I remember correctly, I think the first artist is John Romita Jr. So I know fantastic art, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Mitch is like, I'm not buying that book. So <laughs> last time we have All Star Batman and Su- or Batman and Robin, they have a terrible writer in Frank Miller, but then a great artist in Jim Lee, and now we have a great writer in Scott Snyder, but a terrible artist in John Romita Jr. <laughs> Why can't yep, yep. DC just get on the ball and let me <laughs> tell them who needs to write and draw their comic books? 
now that Jeff Johns has stepped up to president, I think we need, you know, we need one of us has to, one of us has to run the day-to-day business. I think that's a good plan. <laughs> we'll both take it. We'll get this going. See, we're letting you know we're available. <laughs> Um, well, but the good news is they're doing like mini arcs. So he might do like three, four issues, and then there's going to be another artist coming on. So the way I kind of envision this is I kind of see it like, okay, you know how when Jeff Loeb, you know, when he did Hush. So obviously when he did Hush, he, he did it for Jim Lee. He's like, okay, when I write this script, I want you to have, you know, like a, a rogues gallery. So this way you get an opportunity to draw every character, every different landscape, all the vehicles, all the locations, things like that. So I kind of feel like Scott Snyder is going to do the same thing. Like, okay, you know, this this artist likes this character, so they're going to be in part of the story. So mm-hmm. that's what's going to be kind of neat about it is it's going to be a very much a, a who's who of comic book artists with a big Batman story and then again a who's who of comic book characters in the Batman DC universes. So, you know, I I, I definitely I'm gonna support it. I'm gonna check out the first issue, so I definitely recommend that. Um, then you know you got you got some more comics coming out. You'll have Deathstroke Rebirth. Um Hal Jordan the GLC is gonna continue. Detective Comics is gonna continue. Flash is gonna continue. New Superman's continuing. So a lot more books are still going on schedule. So DC, they're doing great. Highly recommend you check it out. Marvel, they're going to start getting ready for the Marvel now. You know, that's going to be the new fallout after the uh, Civil War. So I think we're still kind of trapped in Civil War. The fallout's happening. You know, we had Hulk killed. Hawkeye, you know, was was proven innocent, released. So that's kind of the split now. And then, of course, you got Carol and Tony at each other's necks because of, you know, save the future protect the future or change the future right. you know, whichever their theories are so we're going to have a lot of stuff there so obviously uh, start reading the Iron Man books uh, Marvel themselves they're going to be putting out a lot of reprint issues uh, Invincible Iron Man issues 7, 8, 9, 10 and 11 so that's going to start introducing you to Riri, Riri Williams and she's going to be the next Iron Man so that's, that's going to be very interesting stuff um, all new all different Avengers is going to have um, an issue and an annual come out next week. And what's really nice about those, they're going to be all interconnected via an Alex Ross cover. So what's kind of cool about that is it's going to be Alex Ross painting the new characters, you know, in his, in his style. Um, you know, th- th- it's funny cause that takes me back. So when Kyle Rayner was the be all end all green lantern, it was funny because, uh, Alex Ross was totally against legacy heroes. He's like, I won't draw those people. You'll never see me draw Kyle Rayner. Like oh. I think he's only drawn him. He's only drawn him once because Alex Ross was like Silver Age and Gold, and that was it. Nothing more. Uh, which is funny because Kingdom Come is all about legacy, you know. Very true. But you know. But anyway, so he. I think. I think we kind of have Jeff Johns to thank for that, you know, because if you think about it, when Justice Society of America JSA when that book was coming out. It did. It really introduced a new DC universe. I mean, you know, you, you could look at books like I, I, I'd say, honestly, Young Justice and JSA were the only books showing new characters and giving them a spotlight. JLA was your big heroes. Titans, you know, was your your, your secondary your, your second generation sidekicks. But Young Justice and JSA, they were like, you know, secret, the third Doctor Midnight, things like that. So it was really cool to see that. And so when you had Alex Ross doing the covers for JSA, he was obviously, you know, showing new characters. So he started doing, 
a lot more of you know new generation heroes and right now alex ross is doing a ton of work for marvel so you know if you're an alex ross fan that's on the radar uh, all new all different avengers 13 and the annual those two come out next week they'll have alex ross covers if i remember it's like five or six issues that you'll connect so you know a neat way to make a comic book poster so that's pretty much it in your comic book minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that's uh, obviously a lot to look forward to. And, uh, yeah, if you're an Alex Ross fan, that's I, I didn't even know that he was still, like, producing stuff. So that's in, that's awesome that uh, you, you get some Marvel covers that in the Alex Ross style. Yeah, oh, he's been, like, I mean... Um, all new, all different Avengers. He's been the cover artist for it. And it's awesome, too, because I know Mark Wade is the, the writer. I'm not too sure who the artist is, but, I mean, you know, that's actually, I, that just clicked in my head. Mark Wade and Alex Ross are working together. That's major, because I know <laughs> Kingdom Come kind of separated those two. But that's, yet here they are. You there know, you go. It's come together. Oh. Dang, Marvel. They're breaking boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, and it was something I wanted to talk about since uh, we hadn't really um, recorded anything since they, they, they showed up, but I would love to talk about the Justice League trailer and the Wonder Woman trailer that came out of San Diego Comic-Con this year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, talking about the Wonder Woman trailer first, since that one's going to be the one that comes up first as a movie. Um, to me, I mean, to me personally, I thought the trailer... It looks good, and it's exactly what I expected of it. I just really didn't feel like there was anything too spectacular in it. I guess I don't know how to I don't know how to to voice that at the moment, but like I mean I knew there was going to be a lot of fighting, and that's definitely what they, um, you know, focused showcased. on. Yeah, showcased it definitely in that in that trailer. There's so much of her fighting, and uh, and which is good, but she does other things right wonder woman does other things yeah she is supposed to be an ambassador of peace (laughs) you know but it's one of those things where and this is it's funny because not to open a can of worms but with comic books you know everybody wants you know everybody wants their own agenda put into the books right and you know and, and and that's that's been interesting for characters like Wonder Woman you know because at at some points like like the famous one is when Denny O'Neill back in the 70s when he came on and started writing the Wonder Woman book he was the one who took away all her powers took away her costume and he had her running around in a dress and she she was at her worst right and he thought as a pro feminist guy he thought he was doing the right thing every time he looks back he's like i am so sorry i screwed that character up <laughs> And it's true. I mean, he did. I, I, there's there's work out there that the man's done, and I appreciate it. And then there's that. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> that was but, also the when time I, when she was like a, a CIA spy or something like that, right? Yeah, it like, was something like that. Yeah, a it was gun just like, just stuff? create a new... Yeah, yeah. Like, he just he did her character so bad. Like, it's funny. In order to empower her, he made her powerless, you know? <laughs> um. So uh, she's a tough character because, yeah, she's a she's a warrior who fights for peace. And it's one of those things where, like, I guess as as a, and I'm, I'm, you know, and I'll, I'll put it out there right at the bat. I'm not a major Wonder Woman fan. That's why I've kind of felt the same way you did with the trailer. It's like, okay, well, I know what to expect. And did they deliver that? Yep. They gave me the fight scenes. They gave me the cool music. I, I got to say, whoever's in charge of the music. I love the the theme that they picked for her. You know that just that kind of pumped up guitar. You know it, it works. You right. Know, I I kind of 
I kind of feel like Zack Snyder's um, 300, you know, like when they would have that. So I think that totally works for her and it's great. Um, but yeah, it's Wonder Woman's tough because there's really only been probably three people that get her. George Perez, Phil Jimenez, and Greg Rucka. And what strikes me very hilarious about it, what I think is funny, not a female creator. True. You know? Um, like there was an article out there if you if you read your comic book news and they were talking about like I don't know by December DC Comics will have just as many black female writers as they will as Marvel will and I thought to myself I said well it, you know is that important like what's important when it comes to you know a comic book company is it that you know the diversity is it the gender is it the you know or is it the writing ability and you know for me. I think it's the person who loves the character because when you have somebody writing characters they love, and like I said, I said somebody, I don't care who it is, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a Jewish transsexual writing Daredevil, but as long as they understand who Daredevil is and shares great stories, I'm happy, you know, even though you're, you're talking, you know, gender and religion, you know, it's like, whoa, but it doesn't matter because they get the character and they, they give you a good story. So I find that interesting. And I've always wondered, like, do like does Wonder Woman do does she the character in the company? Do they do a good job getting women out there to appreciate Wonder Woman? Because, yeah, the movie, I, I felt like they were just kind of like, well, you know, she, let's let's make let's make her Thor, you know, set her in World War One and we'll have the cool fight scene punches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I've always been about the, you know, whoever's the best for the job should get the job. Whoever loves the character the most should should get the job. And I and I, I think you're right, and I think that's definitely what both companies are trying to do more of nowadays. Uh, I think maybe the the whole number of writers coming that are black females, you know, being being on staff, just might be a a side note. It's like it's like, hey, we just also noticed this statistic. So I I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like uh, be um, apologetic for anybody. I'm just saying, you know things get noticed so well yeah well you know it's true like you're very right it is just a side note because here's what's funny there have been female writers and artists in comic books since like the 30s you know comic books i honestly comic books have been very progressive you know in my opinion i think comic books have totally been a trailblazer i mean you've had characters you know like you know obviously right now with with you know the 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 cultural sensitivity slash mentalities that Americans have, it's it's a vocal point. But comics have never cared about that. I mean, you have, you know, Katana. You know, she was she's an Asian woman, she's a widow, and yet she's a superhero on her, her superheroine on her own right, who stands toe-to-toe with Batman. You know, she's been a member of his outsiders. She's been a member now, you know, they've got her in the Suicide Squad. She's getting ready to be on the movie. She's been in the in the shows, the cartoons. You know, and it's like, hey, you know, there was never a call for it. It was just somebody thought of a great character, a great story, and also managed to give that character deeper identity, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, that's that, that, that's great. Has has JMS never wrote? Did he write a story? Didn't he write Wonder Woman for a while? You know, I I can't recall because I I kind of feel like he did, but I just I don't know, but. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, speaking of JMS, have you heard about what he was saying, how he wants to retire from comics? Or I guess not wants to, he has retired from comics. Uh, I hadn't heard that, but I I just assumed. Because, like, I don't know, the last thing I remember 
hearing about him right was uh, uh, his Superman story that got cut off by what New Fifty Two, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he when he was like, yeah, forget this, and he left. Yeah, that's right. That was that was a while back. Um, yeah, because the, the last piece of work I think he did was Superman Earth One Volume Three. Okay. Yeah, but what scares me, or I guess what my, my my bummer is, I enjoy his Superman Earth One books. They've been really good. And so if he leaves, I mean, that's you know that's going to be a tough job for the next writer to come in, keep that voice, make that Superman, and try you know to put it out there. So hopefully the next writer that comes in and wants to continue that books, or even you know it's funny because both Marvel and DC they were doing, DC was doing Earth One and Marvel was doing season season one. And, you know, they basically were origin stories that were set in a very modern, you know, a modern day. Um, If you haven't read Fantastic Four season one, go out and read it. That is how I would introduce the Fantastic Four into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's the perfect way to introduce the characters. They're great, you know. That's awesome. Uh, No, and I I mean, his uh, run on Spider-Man is probably one of my favorite runs. I mean, I know it's not, it's not stanley and steve ditko or you know other other great creators of spider-man but i I, i've always remembered his run on spider-man as being one of my favorites so oh that was a good no i enjoyed that one i mean for me he made spider-man a teacher so i was kind of you know (laughs) uh and then i i I know i didn't read it but i know a lot of people really liked his thor too when he was writing oh my gosh his thor was great he did such a great job reintroducing thor back to the marvel or marvel marvel comics universe i mean thor was gone what eight eight years yeah something like that you know and he he did a great job of bringing him back making him relevant and if you think about it that really set the stage for a lot of stuff because eventually those seeds grew into siege which you know was another major turning True. point in the marvel universe so yeah no he did a great job there what about uh, uh but oh go, go ahead, ahead. Oh no no go for it go for it. Well, I'm just gonna because I'm, I'm about to change the subject. So if you still have something to say about JMS, you go ahead and say it. No, I was gonna do the same thing. Okay. <laughs> Did uh has uh Gail Simone ever written Wonder Woman? I mean, she's a huge female writer in the in the industry. You know, not to the best of my knowledge, do I know? But exactly, that's that's somebody I totally could see her cutting her teeth on Wonder Woman. You know, being like, oh, I'm gonna enjoy this book. You know, so I don't know. I I would. I'd wager to say yes, because I'm sure somebody at DC was like, hey, you're a good writer. You've got that female voice. Let's see what happens. Try it out, you know. But, uh, you know, if, if she did, it either wasn't that big of a run or it hasn't happened. So I don't know. And, you know, I mean, I could totally see her as one of the one of the creators that's be like, well, I really don't have a passion for Wonder Woman. Not, not, I don't know if she does or doesn't, but she would be like, I don't have a passion for it, so I wouldn't want to write it. Well, exactly. Like, that's totally the thing. And that's that's what I want people to be able to, like, do. You know, it's like, well, you know, hey, just because, you know, hey, just because I happen to look like Hal Jordan doesn't mean I would run and write the Green Lantern <laughs> book. I mean, I would and I should, but, you know, I just don't want to get cornered into it for that reason. <laughs> Speaking of Hal Jordan, have you seen the, the new uh, Independence Day Resurgence movie? No, I have not seen that movie yet. So do what you, you got, though? Well, do you know who Liam Hemsworth is? Chris Hemsworth's brother? Yeah, Thor Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he, 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 I mean he, he obviously he doesn't look exactly like Chris Hemsworth, but he, I mean, he's obviously one of those Hollywood hunks right now. Oh, if, yeah. Well, you can see the jeans, but yeah, he's, he's you know, he's a good looking dude. <laughs> if you watch <laughs> Independence, Re- Independence Day Resurgence, 
uh, his character in that is pretty much Hal Jordan. So I think I suggest you watch it and tell me, do you think they should cast him as Hal Jordan in the in the DCEU? Challenge accepted. Because <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be funny that you would have Hemsworth in both uh, comic book un- uh, movie universes? Oh, I think that'd be great, dude. I mean, can you imagine the family photo? You know, it's like, hey, there's Thor. Hey, there's Greenland. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's. I mean, especially since I've, the the only frontrunner I ever heard them talking about for how Jordan in the in the new uh, DCEU was uh, Chris Pine, and obviously now he's Steve Trevor, so uh, they need someone to play wow. Hal Jordan. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's killing me. The DC... EU is killing me because I'm a Green Lantern fan and I'm like I don't care what you do with everybody else what are you doing with Green Lantern and they're like yeah wait till 2020 when Green Lantern Corps comes out I'm like 2020 <laughs> I can't even wait 20 minutes <laughs> we'll see and then that brings us to the next thing we got Justice League uh, trailer that comes out and uh, we have a whole Justice League presented to us except for one key member <laughs> oh I know like okay my, my inner fan my my uh, symmetrical balance for the two universes, I feel happy and complete. You know, I'm like, I actually, I remember watching that trailer. Then I immediately went and found the original Avengers trailer and, you know, just watched them back to back. Like, it was, it was just fun. It's just pure fanboy fun, you know? Right. Um, I, I will say, I think one thing, you know, finally, finally the Internet's voice made something positive happen. I don't know if it was always the, you know, if, if it was Warner Brothers and their creative, if it was always the decision to be like, we're going to start mean and then lighten up, or if they did it because they realized, hey, the fans want this. But, man, th- there were great moments in that trailer, you know? I mean, yeah, you know, there's some hokiness, and, you know, I th- you and I talked about that where it's like, yeah, you know, this, you know, the, 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 the exchange between Batman and Flash feels like the exchange between spider-man and uh and iron man yeah you know? yeah so it's like okay i i can see that but i mean for the most part it was like all right no this is this is gonna be fun you know um you know i like batman you know he's poking the aquaman bear um, <laughs> you know and which even his interactions with wonder woman look kind of cool you know which and let me bring you to the aquaman part of the trailer yeah now he literally just got done having this punch for punch drag out you know terrible fight with with superman you know and at, at that point he's like oh man oh maybe i shouldn't have done something like that maybe i uh should have thought about this first you know i totally misread superman and i totally didn't uh do justice to him no pun intended but now he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna go in there and talk about hey uh I hear you talk to fish. Like picking a fight with Aquaman does not seem like a good idea. <laughs> I mean, this... you know, <laughs> yeah, I had the exact same discussion with somebody at work today. I was laughing at that. Cause it's like, okay, you look at your justice league, right? Okay. Cyborg. Well, he's got cybernetic enhancements flash. He's got a, you know, fast metabolism, which probably helps him heal faster. Wonder woman, Amazonian, Superman, Kryptonian, Aquaman, Atlantean, Batman, man, and not only is he a man, but he's an older man. You know, they, they've obviously, you know, Ben Affleck's older, but they've kind of grayed him up, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, the, they and, definitely have. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you see that, and it's just funny because it's like, yeah, it's like, hey, let's take the oldest mortal, and yeah, let's have him pick another fight with another <laughs> hero, you know? But it, it's okay because here's, here's the spoiler alert. You ready for this? <laughs> Go ahead. When he's got him pinned to the wall, 
right? And Aquaman's about to deliver the killing blow. He, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne's gonna mutter, "Find Nemo," yeah, God and then it. Aquaman's gonna be like, "Why did you say that name?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, this. I, to me, I have to say, I once again. I am not happy with the look of what of this movie. It, it kind of it, it, it's it's more of this. I mean, okay, yes, they did lighten it up from Batman v Superman, but it's still more of the same for me. Where they're just they keep missing the tone, like the whole tone of these characters to me just seems wrong. You can make them darker, you can make them lighter, you can you can change their outfits you can do all these things that you want to do it's fine with me just keep the idea of the characters the same and to me the the biggest mistake is that batman goes into the flash's den home whatever you want to call it and he call he says as bruce wayne he's like i'm batman you know he's telling him his secret identity which batman would keep until the last moment, you know, he wouldn't just go out and tell somebody that. I don't care well, you if know, it is a flash. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, 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 first off, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Exactly. That scene would have been way cooler if it was Batman hanging out in Barry Allen's apartment. And, I, and that's, that's more true to the Bruce Wayne Batman that we know. But here's something to think about. Um, I think you read it. didn't when, when they started New 52, did you read Justice League Origin? which was the Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, six issues, uh, first six issues of the Justice League book. Did you get to read those? Did you yes, read them? I think so. So if you'll remember in there, Bruce Wayne was the first one to do it. He ripped off his mask and he's like, I think he did it to Hal Jordan or he did it to Superman. You know, And it's like, wait, why would he do that? Why would he expose his identity? Because Batman's the type of guy who's going to be like, no, your real name is the best currency you have. I'm not exposing myself. So it's funny, though, because obviously, you know, Jeff Johns wrote that. So <laughs> I think that's why we have that happening there. But, yeah, it, it does. It does feel out of I get. I, I mean, I get that, too. But that's like it. I mean, and yeah, also not acceptable in the comic book if, if how they did that. But like that's still that was Batman. Like he's exposing himself uh, to the other heroes after he already knows that they're the heroes. You know what I mean? In this scene, right. he he throws his batarang and. Ezra or Flash catches it, and then he's like, "Oh, so it's super speed." Like he doesn't even know that part of Barry Allen yet, like what his actual power is. So, like to me, th- this is the the Batman <laughs> would know everything about the person before he even walked up to him, and then he wouldn't just expose his his secret to someone that he doesn't know everything about. You know what I mean? I don't know. I guess I, the way I took that scene, I, I I assumed you know Bruce Wayne went in there and he knew everything. And so that's by him throwing the batarang, he was kind of like, "Hey Barry, wake up, quit acting like, oh yeah, you, you know, you don't know who the hell I am, you know, stuff like that." But he literally—that's so how I kind of took it. But he literally says the line, "Oh, it's super speed," like he's or he says, "Oh, you're super fast." I get it, you know, like oh, that's true. So that's, true. that's the point that. that that like to me, I'm like, oh, like so. I mean, he could be like. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know if maybe you teleported, oh, or it was super super fast, or if uh, you you grew extra long arms, or you jumped between shadows or some shit. But he had to see it for himself before it happened. I, I don't know. To me, like, do you remember in uh, World's Finest in the, the animated series when Batman 
first meets up with Superman. And he's like, "There's, you know, there's this 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 device I have in my hand is attached to someone's heart, and it's a bomb, you know. And if you right. you kill if you you try to disarm me before it, the bomb will go off. And then when Superman finally agrees to his his terms, he's like, "Well, where's the bomb? He's like, it's attached to my own heart. I'm not willing to kill someone else. Like that is the the point. That's how Batman would introduce himself to an unknown superhero to, for to me." Oh no, and I, I agree with you, and you're right. That's true because, you know, that's that's just the type of guy Batman is, and it's I don't know. I guess it's just uh, that, that's the tough thing about you know, and we we know this as comic book fans with these movies. You know, they're kind of like, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna cherry pick our comics, you know, because it, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, obviously a lot of the influence is gonna be from uh, New Fifty Two, but then you know, there's things like, okay, well, they're looking at probably the um in my opinion they're looking at oh what was it um the legends crossover like that's what i feel suicide squad is going to feature which is going to build a dark side which then again that story goes back to the dc universe that we grew up with that you're talking about right i I do kind of find it funny that it's like yeah it's like well you know this wouldn't happen this way but it would happen that way and we're just going to pick this that and the other and you're just like oh you know like if you've introduced the character this way and you spent decades saying he acts this way then keep it that way, you know. It just it's easier. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So, I mean, I obviously still have problems with this Justice League trailer, and this is just a, uh, uh, obviously it was a it was a San Diego Comic Con trailer that they actually released this time instead of it, it getting leaked, you know. So, right. so that was good. But this is um, this is just you know footage that they barely have because they're still shooting over there. And uh, and it was it's nice of them. I appreciate Warner Brothers letting us see it. So that that was cool of them. Um, I just hope that there's some better uh, footage or better scenes coming out. Because I mean, all, the the scene that they're talking about there with the uh, with uh, or the scene that we're talking about with Bat- Batman and and the Flash in it. That's the the one that was re- in the the those reports earlier a couple months ago you know that every reporter yeah. got to go see on set so it's obvious it's 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 um obvious why they chose that one to be in the trailer yeah well the thing that kind of scares me is obviously that's the one they showed to the reporters um and then that's the one they showed at comic-con and i'm kind of scared i'm like oh man that means that's a big moment in the film I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's cute but you know it's not like oh man i'm gonna drop everything and go watch the movie because of that you know so it's kind of like oh man i hope they got a little bit more (laughs) well and and uh i just want to say this little part too like you know me i've never been the biggest flash fan i've never uh i've i haven't i haven't followed it as well as as closely as you and and some of our other friends but I do like the Flash, and I I like Wally, and I like Barry, and I like Bart. Bart's probably you know my favorite because he was a, you know around when he I was started. a Flash, yeah, yeah, when I was reading comic books. So how do you like? I came across this article earlier today that was talking about how in Batman v Superman, there's the scene where the Flash is coming through the, uh, Batman's computer and trying to tell him, "Hey, you are." I came back too soon or whatever. And the lightning's white. And then in the trailer that we just saw, the light, his lightning is blue. Like, and they're trying to explain it all this scientifically and stuff like that. But why isn't it yellow? Like it's supposed to be in his comic book. Yeah. Gosh, I, you know, that's interesting. I, 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 I didn't even catch that. I'll have to watch those clips and, and take a look. 
I guess the only thing I could say is, you know, the best argument is uh, why was it white because of the time travel? Right. Uh, why was it blue? Uh, shitty because lighting in the apartment. Yeah, electricity <laughs> is blue. That's I mean, I mean, when we think electricity, we think of blue. And see, that's I, I get that when they were they were making this movie, they were like, oh, you know, the special effects guy is going to put in some blue lightning because light electricity is blue, and we think of it that way and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, but someone who's read, reading the comic books should just be like, oh, no, Barry's lightning is always yellow. So, yeah. Well, yeah, any Flash always has yellow lightning, you know, because, it's you know, it's always the costume trim, you know. Yeah. The lightning comes from the, 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 the lightning bolts on his wrist, his belt, his earpieces, his boots, you know. I guess uh, it's funny to kind of deviate what we're talking about. All I know is every time they do something with the Flash – I feel that much more sorry for Wally West fans, you know? <laughs> um, well, because, like, okay, like, I, my, my favorite Flash is Barry Allen because, you know, I'm a Silver Age fan. You right. know, that's Hal Jordan's buddy and all that. But when I was a kid, you know, reading the books, it was always Wally, you know? So I was like, okay, and I, I learned to appreciate him, and I liked him. He's a great character. And then they had the Flash TV show, but it was Barry Allen. But it was Barry Allen acting like Wally West. That's very true. So I thought, well, that's jacked up. And then, you know, you watch stuff grow. And, I mean, Wally has been the best Flash. I mean, that's why we have the Speed Force, because of the stories Mark Wade told. You know, that's why the Rogues Gallery has personality, because of the stories Jeff Johns told. I mean, there were great writers. I mean, Grant Morrison even cut his teeth on Flash. Mark Millar cut his teeth on Flash. These are amazing, you know, writers. Uh, uh, they call him Ringo. I can't... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name, but he's an artist. He did some great stuff. Actually, he was a very famous artist, and he's the co-creator of Bart Allen. Him and Mark Wade created uh, Impulse. Oh, um, and you know, and 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 even then, when you look at what Flash did with the Flash family, I think he made it even more family than Barry ever did. Because Wally kept ties with Jay. You know, he was a mentor to Bart. You know, he had his wife and his two kids. I mean, like, this is something that's funny, and I don't know if DC Comics will ever play with it or if they'll mention it again, but Barry Allen has two kids, the Tornado Twins, Don and Don Allen, D-O-N and D-A-W-N. But we never see them. They've never done anything. But at least Wally, when you saw his twins, Irie and Jai, they were there. They were always featured, you know, and I thought that was cool, you know. And then, obviously, when Barry came back, that just completed the family. But it's sad because it's like... You know, like, okay, as a Hal Jordan fan, you know, I got screwed when Kyle came along. So that made me hate Kyle. And then Ron Mars would write Kyle. And that made Kyle hate Kyle. And I hated Kyle. <laughs> but then Grant Morrison wrote Kyle, and I liked Kyle. And then I accepted it. And then when Jeff came, you know, he, he did Rebirth, and the Green Lantern family got bigger. But I feel like when Jeff did Flash Rebirth, the promise was that the Flash family was going to get bigger because everybody was back. I mean, you know, Max Mercury even came back from Limbo. So it was awesome. But the way the Flash books have been handled recently, no. I mean, obviously it's very apparent because look at what, look at who the main character was in DC Rebirth. It was Wally. So like I said, anytime I, anytime I see anything with Flash, I always feel bad because it's the same thing. Like, why didn't you just have Ezra Miller be Wally West? You know, just just have him be Wally because he's sure as heck not Barry and he sure is not acting like that. Right. And even the same argument, my same argument, I could kind of throw it towards Grant Gustin. You know, like I want to see bow ties. I want to see comic book collecting. 
But, you know, he does bring that geekiness to it. So it's like, okay, well, that's a tad closer to Barry. But, you know, when I watch it and I see it, I still kind of get a vibe of Wally West. No, no, that's exactly true. And I I think that has a lot to do with the Justice League uh, Unlimited cartoon as well. I mean, that that Barry in that was obviously a Wally West. I mean, that's he was silly. He he played pranks. he, He joked around. Not saying that that Barry isn't like that, but he's obviously a, a little bit more serious than Wally or he's supposed oh, yeah. to be. Well, no, well, they, 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 but that's the thing. They are like, that's what's funny. Cause like I always get a laugh. Um, okay. Like when they did um, green lantern, the movie, you know? So it's like, okay, you know, you've read green lantern. He's, he's a pretty serious guy. Yeah. But it's like, oh, well, we cast, you know, Ryan Reynolds. So, you know, we've got Van Wilder. So let's, let's, you know, like they, they took house swagger, of confidence and they made it a swagger of goofiness but i don't mean that in a mean way no i get what you're saying they they did a good job but it's like yeah it's like ultimately that's that's not the character's voice that's the actor's voice yeah and it's one of those things that uh, you know it's i I worry about that because i could totally see that happening with barry in this upcoming movie so yeah yikes (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, I think we covered uh, both trailers pretty well, even though we we might have ventured <laughs> off in other directions. Uh, well, one quick thing I was curious about: Did you get to see that today? They released the uh, Justice Society of America logo for the upcoming DC's DC's Legends of Tomorrow show. I did not. Oh, when you get a chance, you got to check it out. I I think it's a classy looking logo. Um, so I'm excited because, you know, there's a Justice Society logo out there. There's a Justice League logo out there. That's awesome. You know, like people now when you say JSA or JLA or Justice League or Justice Society, people are people are a little bit more bound to know what that is. So that's that's exciting to me. That sounds awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to go look for that. And, uh, you know, I, I watched the Legends of Tomorrow TV show. So I was definitely excited at the end of the se- season one when they were like, hey, Justice Society is coming. I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, dude, I know. Like, well, and I pictured, you know, obviously that was a big moment for you because it was our man who did it, too. Oh, exactly. He, you know, you know, it's like, oh, man. This Huge is our man for, for me, my character is, you know, the Dr. Midnight. I like him. So, you know, I, I'm crossing my fingers. I can't wait till they name drop Dr. Midnight. Like, oh, we just cast, you know, Chris Franey as Dr. Midnight. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is great. You know what's funny, though, too, is and not to complain even more, but they, like we were just saying with the whole uh, – Barry Allen playing Wally West kind of thing. In in the episode, he call he he walks up and he says, "Hi, I'm I'm Rex Tyler. I'm the Hour Man, whatever." But he's obviously wearing Rick Tyler's outfit, you know. So right. it was and to me. I was like, my brain was kind of like, there's <laughs> there's something wrong there. But I'm excited to see our Hour Man. So that's you know, which I never thought we would actually get. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's the funny thing. It's such a it's such a double edged sword because you know characters, you know, Our Man, Doctor Fate, you know, uh, Sandman, and and, and uh, Mister America. They're so small time, but it's one of those things where it's like if they do get featured, yeah, they're gonna be. They'll probably be like, okay, well, let's start with the original, but let's give it all the characteristics throughout the character 
throughout the the, the title's name. So right, you're like, right. Yeah, because you're, you're like, you know, for me, like, when I say Dr. Midnight, I like the third Dr. Midnight, Pieter Cross. Right. I don't really care for the first Dr. Midnight. Charles uh, McNighter. Charles McNighter. So, you know, obviously that's going to be the same thing. Like when that character goes up there, I'm going to be watching it. I'll be like, oh, that's totally cross. But they're going to keep calling him McNighter. And I'm just going to yell at the TV. <laughs> You're saying it wrong. <laughs> uh, very true. So, okay. Uh, let's get on to our, our 101 with the, with the Jackal now. Uh, it was important to you to, to, talk to talk about this character this week because of what's happening in the comic books right now. And I know normally we talk about that at the end with uh, where you can find this character, but let me go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and do a refresher of what's going on with him right now? Okay. So right now. All right. So, um, thanks to all new, all different Marvel, we got a brand new Spider-Man volume launched and every, like, I think it's currently on issue 13 or 14. So in the back, you've kind of seen this guy in a red suit, a red business suit. And he's got like a very Egyptian, uh, obviously it would be a jackal, but like an Egyptian jackal mask. And he's kind of, he's been going around to the villains and offering them something. So like, for example, he went to the rhino and he offered a chance for the rhino to get his, his ex-wife back, you know, cause she died. So he's like, Hey, I can bring your wife back. So of course the rhino's like, I will do whatever it takes. I'll make a deal with the devil. So you're kind of like, uh Oh, you know, is this, is this the jackal or is it something bigger? Um, so he's been recruiting villains, you know, I think he got electro and, uh, Oh, I can't remember, but so he's, he's got some villains going in. So this is building towards something. Um, right around the time when they released the uh, curtain that said rebirth for DC, you know, within a day or two, Marvel released a red curtain that said um, dead no more. So it's funny because you got a blue curtain with rebirth and then you got a red curtain with dead no more. So you're like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but DC or Marvel, they wound up basically revealing that this was going to be a new story called um the clone conspiracy and i think it had a different title before that i can't remember um but so you're kind of like okay well what's this going to be about and finally when free comic book day happened back in may the zero issue that came out or not zero issue but it was a captain america steve rogers book in the back it had like a six parter or six page uh, comic in there that was showing Gwen Stacy. You know, she was very much in her her seventies clothes and all this and that, and she's reporting to the Jackal. And it's like, whoa, that's a major bomb drop. What does that mean? Um, and then finally, yeah, once once some more light started coming out, they were basically okay. You know, here it is. It's the clone conspiracy. Um, so he's gonna be a big character coming up here very soon, probably within the next. Two to three months, we're going to see a lot of business coming about the Jackal. So I thought, you know, as a way to get fans hyped for the Spider-Man book and hopefully, you know, go out and read Clone Conspiracy, we should talk about the Jackal because, like, as we mentioned at the start of this program, he's a, he's a major character, but he's also a very rare character. You know, he maybe makes a, he maybe makes an appearance once a decade, you know, but it's awesome because when he does make that appearance, it's a hell of a big appearance. You know? <laughs> it really has, it has some bite when it goes into the spider-man universe so i think that's really awesome that's right so what we're talking about is the jackal from uh, spider-man and he's also known as dr miles warren and we have two first appearances for each so as miles warren his amazing spider-man number 31 december 1965 and then as the jackal is amazing spider-man number 129 february 1974 uh, create Miles Warren is created by Stan Lee and Steve Dicko, and the Jackal was Jerry Conway and Ross Andrew. So uh, he was a teacher at Empire State University, 
Yep. And uh, he is very uh, his his. I mean, obviously, before he mutated himself into looking like a jackal, he had uh, uh, he ha- he just he was uh, a genius in the fields of biochemistry, genetics, and cloning. Uh, after his regeneration, he had strength, speed, and agility of a jackal, which to me always seemed interesting that more than anywhere else, Spider-Man rogues or Spider-Man villains are always named after animals. <laughs> it's the animal kingdom. <laughs> I mean, it really is, and, and which only makes sense that Craven the Hunter is one of the biggest, uh, you know, enemies in that world. I mean, he should just be picking off villains and Spider-Mans everywhere. <laughs> you know, well, it, it is funny because yeah, it's like when you look at stuff like, you know, obviously they both like okay, like Batman and Spider-Man, they're very big for the rogues gallery. Like Flash's rogues are gimmicky, but Batman and. Um, Spider-Man, they do. They have these animals. They fight animals. And so I, I do find that funny, you know. I mean, like, yeah, you'll have your oddballs, like, okay, Mysterio, what animal is he, you know? But, I mean, for the most part, yeah, it's like you'll see Spider-Man fight the grizzly, the rhino, the jackal, uh, the scorpion, you know, the and kangaroo. another spider <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, Frogman, you know? Yeah, so it's, exactly. It's, it's funny how that works out. Yeah, I do get a laugh at that. So, yeah, you would think, like, Craven should be, like, the, the, the most sinister enemy because it's like, okay, well, he's based off of man, and, you know, man's kind of up there in the animal kingdom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then as our uh, Imagine If comic historian on staff, uh, where, where do you want to talk about with Miles Warren first? All right, well, let's see. I guess, well, what's always fun about this, and I think what our, our connection is, is how did we first meet the character? So... Um, you know, comic book collecting for me when I was younger was kind of sporadic. You know, it was anytime, you know, you stopped at Circle K. If I had 75 cents, I could buy a book. You know, uh, if I if I had lunch money or, you know, allowance, I'd buy a book. And once Superman died, it became religious. Like every Wednesday I was there, you know. <laughs> you didn't need lunch. You just bought a box of, you know, treats and you hit them and you'd eat that for lunch because <laughs> you were like, I got to save money to buy comics. <laughs> Um, so I guess, uh, so anyways, the death of Superman drew me in. So obviously at that time in the nineties, it was gimmicks, you know, comic books were gimmicks and they were these epics, you know, it's the death of Superman funeral for a friend return of Superman, you know, Batman had nightfall, night quest, night's end. Um, all of them had something going on. So Marvel realized, okay, we got to jump in on this. And they released uh, what was going to be a small storyline called, you know, the, the the Clone Saga. But instead, it became a freaking epic. I mean, what, three, four years worth of publishing? No, actually, maybe two. Maybe two years of publishing. But, I mean, it was it was books coming out weekly. I mean, if you buy the collected edition of this, it's like, you know, 10 or 11 phone books. You know, it's, it's ridiculous how many comics <laughs> were in this thing, you know? So I remember, you know, obviously you'd look on the comic book rack and you would see these holographic covers. And the one that always struck out to me was it shows Peter Parker facing off against Spider-Man. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, how the hell is that possible? You know, I mean, yeah, you know, they always have those symbolic covers, but this one looked a little bit more serious. And then eventually you find, okay, well, it's Spider-Man fighting a clone of himself. And then the clone went on to be a very awesome comic book character, Scarlet Spider. And I went to the store one day. It was actually, it was Hastings. I went to Hastings and they had, they had these kind of like, I don't know, special editions of comics that were out there. 
And the one I saw, it was Web of Spider-Man issue 118. So it's pretty much kind of like, you know, the unofficial first Scarlet Spider, you know. And it came in a poly bag. And right behind it was a Marvel Milestone Edition Spider-Man issue 149. And so, of course, I bought that. You know, and I read the two books, but I always remember that Marvel milestone because it was a reprint of the first time you ever met the spider clone. Mm. And I thought it was such an amazing issue because like it really, it brought up some ideas of identity, you know, like Jackal, dude, that he's a scary villain because at first he's just a normal, you know, college professor, you know, like obviously when Stan and Steve were writing them, you know, they didn't have any plans what they were going to do with this guy. Uh, and then when Jerry and Ross came along, oh man, they twisted him, you know. So here's this guy, the Jackal, and I mean he's doing everything. He he went and hired the Punisher to try to kill Spider-Man. So that's how we got the first Punisher, right? Um, you know, he was you know he was like he was the Green Goblin when there wasn't a Green Goblin. He was the mastermind pulling the strings. And so I thought, wow, this guy's a he's a big character. So in that issue, in Amazing Spider-Man issue 149, they reveal his motivations. And he was just like, basically, you know, I was a college professor and he fell in love with Gwen Stacy. And then when Gwen Stacy died, he blamed Spider-Man. But then on top of that, somehow he figures out Spider-Man and Peter Parker are the same. So now he takes this fascination onto a whole new level. Then one of his, you know, co-workers, hey, oh my God, I've, 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 I've figured out, you know, the missing piece that we need for cloning. So, you know, they, they actually, they realize they can start cloning. So then, you know, the professor's like, oh, well, here, here's some DNA. Let's make a clone. You know, they, they clone it. And then all of a sudden the guy's like, dude, we just cloned a girl. What did you do? So Miles, trying to silence the guy, kills him. And, you know, he's like, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? But then he, like, creates this character in his head, the Jackal. And he's like, oh, I didn't do it. The Jackal did it. So it's like, wow, you know, here's a twisted sociopath but yet he's going to do the whole super villain thing. So that's, <laughs> you know, that's what scares me. You know, like, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, when I watch movies, you know, like, I'm not afraid of Freddy Cougar. I'm afraid of Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, those are, <laughs> that's how it works for me. So this character is kind of, he's got that vibe. So I remember, you know, and, and you're reading this twisted origin he's talking about. He's like, yeah, you know, I made this clone of Gwen, you know, and he's treating her like his wife. Now, what's funny, you know, as I read it as a kid, you know, you didn't think about, well, what is he doing with this clone? You know, so obviously, you know, as we mature, you might be like, oh, shit, you know, maybe this guy's doing some weird stuff to that clone. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But, you know, I'm kind of like, man, how sick and twisted is this guy? You know, because when they would show the panels, you know, they show the clones are walking around naked. He's like, oh, this is cool. You know, so like, <laughs> oh, man, you know, how scary is the jackal? So, you know, he's going through all this stuff. And so I just I, to me, he was one of my first like major Spider-Man villains that I like. He, he he carried weight, you know. So obviously, yeah, he was doing the clone saga. Um, you know, he he was cloning Peter Parker, and, and he created all that mess. And I just thought, like, wow, this guy, this is a serious villain, you know. And, and you know, they used him big time in the Spider-Man books for like the next two years, and they put him away. Um, the 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 last big appearance that I can remember, he came back for um, Spider Island. So he was the one responsible for that. So basically he got all the people on Manhattan. He managed to give them spider powers because of messing with their DNA. So it's like, wow, this guy, you know, he's doing some serious stuff. Yeah. Now I remember so, that because I was still reading uh, Spider-Man at that time. And uh, yeah, he, he was also one of the few people 
to still remember that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, which was very interesting. Yeah. How, you know, Mephisto came out and was like, well, I'll just make everybody forget. But apparently not everybody. Why do you think it was that that Jackal or Miles Warren would be one of the few that was not affected by Mephisto? You know, it's it's tough because when you look at that, when you when you think about that story and, you know, obviously like Dan Slott wrote Spider Island. And Spider Island, oh man, I want to date that. What, maybe two, three years ago? No, it probably was further than that. It's got to be further than that by now. Yeah, so maybe I don't know, four or five years ago. The question is, how far away did they plan? You know, so it's one of those things. Like, yeah, because like I said, with with these newer appearances of the Jackal, he's very much. It, it feels like his role's deeper. Like at first, when I was reading those comics, I thought maybe it was Mephisto. You know, I was like, oh shoot, maybe he's going to come back, and we're going to you know have a have a, some ramifications because of one new day and brand new day. You know, things like that. Um, but yeah, so that something happened. So maybe who knows? Maybe the Jackal, you know, finally made his own deal with the devil to get you know more powers. I mean. I don't know. It's kind of neat to, you know, be in the dark and wonder, okay, yeah, how serious, how serious is he going to be this time? Why, why was he the only one to not know Spidey's identity? Because, yeah, when you have like, you know, Johnny Storm, the human torch, when he didn't even know Peter Parker was Spider-Man, what does that mean when somebody like the Jackal knows that? So, yeah, that's a great question. Well, now that you told me the, that kind of the backup story of uh, the, the Jackal and Maz Warren, you know, how he came about with the whole cloning of Gwen Stacy. Uh, I kind in my mind, I started putting putting together a story of of of, of the reason why you know, and to me, I think uh, because of it being so long ago, and the fact that he hated Spider Man first, and then he figured it out on his own that Spider Man and 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 Peter Parker were the same person instead of like Spider Man just coming out and saying, "Hey, I'm Spider Man" to him. Right? Maybe that's why he got to keep that memory. Yeah, I, who knows? You know, it's. It could definitely be, um, you know, or even, you know, something else that could be twisted um, because I know they played with And that's where I learned that because there was DNA. And then according to comic book science, there's RNA, which (laughs) is our memories. So maybe he had some stashed RNA that was, you know, not affected. Maybe he wasn't there during the whole spell. I don't know. Yeah, like it's it's kind of neat because, you know, now it causes us to start getting our creative juices flowing to figure out, okay, how does this guy of all the characters, why him? Why does he get to keep it, you know? Right, exactly. So my first introduction to uh, Miles Warren is because he was still Miles Warren at this, or at least in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, and I know I brought I brought this up uh, before, but, uh, you know, he the, there's an episode of about Hydra-Man and how much he was in love with... Uh, oh, Mary Jane. Mary Jane, yeah. thank you, yeah. So I guess at this point... In the cartoon, Hydro Man had been killed, so uh, Miles Warren cloned Hydro Man. Gave him, or he still he still had his powers, and he said, "Look, if you're bringing me back, you can bring back, uh, or you can give me a clone of Mary Jane, who I believe is dead at this point in the cartoon." Uh, he steals some. Yeah, of she's hair. like lost in the the multiverse or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's what it is. She's lost, and and Anna Watson, her aunt, is is uh, mourning her because she believes she's to be to be dead and. She makes a clone. He makes a clone of Mary Jane, but then both clones end up, you know, disintegrating at the end of that. So that's pretty much the only exposure I have to uh, Miles Warren until Spider Island. Uh, but you know, as we t- as we were saying earlier, he is the big part of the Clone Saga, and as you're saying that that's 
two years of comic books right there, and uh, we get a lot of big characters out of uh, out of the Clone Saga itself. Even if you know some people want to say that it's f- a flawed story or the ending didn't make any sense, we still got Ben Riley. We got uh, Kane, who is now yep. you know both characters are are back in the comic books now. I believe, right? Well, okay, so it's kind of funny the way that worked. So. Ben Riley became the first Scarlet Spider, but then he was killed by Norman Osborn, who came back from the dead. So Ben has been dead since then. I mean, yes, we saw like a an alternate universe version of him come help out during Spider Universe, um, but somehow Kane actually no Kane was brought back in the whatever the Craven the latest Craven Hunt that they called it. So Kane was brought back and he was healed. He no longer had his scarred face, the mark of Kane. And so he became the next Scarlet Spider. Right. So Ben Riley um, was the first Scarlet Spider. Kane became the, the second Scarlet Spider because he kind of felt uh, like he needed to carry on Ben Riley's legacy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because he was basically, he's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I plagued the poor guy. You know, I always, you know, I think if I remember correctly, didn't Kane kill Spider Man's, like, in our Scarlet, our Ben's girlfriend, you know, so it's kind of like, geez, man, you're a dick. <laughs> you know, like you followed the guy around town to town, well, not, not letting him have any peace. Well, technically, he'd be the third Scarlet Spider, right? Because they had the. I think you're right. That's right. Because they had MVP or whatever his which, name was. Whichever one was Patrick. left, yeah. Yeah. Of the three, the three clones, one of Michael, Van, or Patrick, whichever one was left, ended yeah. up being the. And it's Scarlet funny Spider. because. They were wearing the the, the armor, spider armor, the that, spider armor uh, that Tony Stark made. Tony Stark gave him, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess for me, like, so Kane's back, which is exciting. You know, this is a great storyline to rejuvenate a lot of villains. Like, you know, Doc Ock is dead, but somehow his mind is living in this computer. So in um, some of the big advertisements they show Doc Ock and they re- they released the covers. And so we, we've got Doc Ock coming back um, for the listeners. If you get a chance, Google amazing Spider-Man dead no more and just go to the images and you're going to see this big poster. And they originally released it, I think in like four or five parts. And so the image you're going to see on the left side, you're going to see these characters walking out of, you know, maybe it's heaven, maybe it's eternity, who knows, you know, there's light behind them shooting things coming out. You know, it's a big floor of fight of fire, and you'll see Spider-Man, and he's fighting, you know, uh, villains, and and then on the on the far right corner, you're going to have Gwen Stacy and the Jackal. Uh, what I find funny is because it's titled "Dead No More," so out of the characters walking out of you know heaven, you'll see you know Ben Parker. Um, it looks like uh, George Captain George Stacy, and there's several others. So it's going to be like, man, you know, like. Who who could come back? You know, which characters prime for a return? Uh, the villains. Who's going to get amped up? Because in the big scene where they're fighting, you actually do see the Kane Scarlet Spider. And the question is: Is he jumping in to help Spidey fight villains, or is he coming after Spider Man? You know, Spider Man fighting alone. So I'm very curious. I guess for me, my wish list is: I hope Ben Riley finds his way back. You know. There you go. And, and uh, I don't think I mentioned this when I was explaining it earlier, but Ben Riley and Kane are both clones of Peter Parker. Yep. Yeah. Kane would have been the, the first clone who basically had a clone degenerative disease. So that's why he had the scarred face at first. And then when uh, Miles Warren made Ben Riley, he came out perfect. So that's why Kane hates Ben because he's like, how come you get to be so perfect and I don't? And Ben 
Ben Riley is a name that the the Peter Parker clone came up with as you know naming himself after his uncle, but then also his aunt's maiden name. Yep, yeah, uh, Aunt May Riley and Uncle Ben Parker. So Ben Riley. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, did you have any more that you wanted to say about Miles Warren the Jackal? Uh, nothing major. I mean, like I said, he's a very twisted villain. And what's interesting, when you do look at the character, like if you Google Miles Warren, you know, he, he was what? Kind of, you know, definitely like a, uh, uh, an, you know, a, an older gentleman. Um, white hair and a white mustache, right? Didn't, isn't that what he had? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he had, he had white hair and a white mustache. So what's interesting is if you go read the free comic book day, Captain America and Amazing Spider-Man, and you read that six-page backup, that's the first time they actually show this new Jackal. So he's wearing a three-piece suit, so it's a red suit, a black shirt, a red tie, and you can't see his face because he's got, like I said, this. it's a Jackal mask, but it's very Egyptian-looking. Right. But if you look at his jawline, it's very square and kind of scruffy, but it looks, obviously, it looks like a darker hair. So, you know, is is this Miles Warren? Is this the jackal? How's it going to be interpreted? So I'm I'm very excited to see where that's going to go. Well, I mean, he was he was a, a master of cloning, so he could, it could always be like a, a younger version of himself that he cloned and maybe hid somewhere until this point, you know, came out uh, ahead or came out and it, to expose itself. Yeah, well, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking at first, but who knows? Maybe the guy's kind of like, gosh, those Parker jeans. I just want some. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there you go. This is that's uh, the character one hundred and one for the jackal. Uh, I hope we were able to put some nuance on the character for you, expose a little bit of him, and uh, for those reading the comic books or wanting to get into the comics, no, you know, have a little bit of history to to get to back you up when you pick up the clone conspiracy storyline in uh, Spider Man. Yep, definitely go out there, support your local comic book retailer, and go get. You know, get involved. I think that's going to be a great story. Um, I've got some. I've got good feelings because um, Dan Slott. You know, obviously he loves Spider Man. So by him loving Spider Man, we win as the readers. And I think this is going to be a great story. So definitely get out there. It's it's just about to start coming out. So get those issues, read them, and enjoy. And uh, you know that's that that's going to be it for the week. But. Uh, I want to say, you know, I, we, we love all the challenges and questions and uh, suggestions we get from our, our listeners and either on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, so if you have any more, uh, we do have the next like four weeks planned out with uh, what stuff that's been suggested to us uh, from, from uh, social media. But if you have any more, any more things that you want to hear, go ahead and suggest it to us on, on Facebook. Geek Elite Radio is where we do most of our conversation. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat uh franey is on twitter as uh stuff i should say and should being spelled s-h-u-d and then we are also at geek elite radio on twitter uh like i said we have uh you know a full slate for the next four four episodes four issues if you will and uh we will get to you as soon as we can and hope uh we hope to that you're enjoying them as much as we are uh, having to do that, but next week we are going to do another challenge, and I believe uh, Franny, you've come up with the challenge for next week in 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 uh, you know uh, perpetuity of the the movie releasing this weekend. Yep. So I thought it'd be fun. Obviously, you know, this weekend go out there and 
You know, uh, anytime a comic book movie does great, we all win, whether it's DC, Marvel, or even an independent film. So please go out there. I know Rotten Tomatoes is already bashing Warner Brothers and DC. I think that's their favorite hobby, you know. But go out there and support it. Go out and watch Suicide Squad. I hope you enjoy it. I hope I enjoy it. Obviously, that's not a comic book I read. Um, you know, it's it's not something I'm too terribly excited about, but I'm excited to see where the DC Cinematic Universe goes. So in light of the movie coming out, I thought, you know what? Let's take one universe and put it in the other. So our challenge is we are going to make our own Suicide Squad in the DC Universe. No, Marvel so Universe. So I want to see – sorry, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we're going to take the Suicide Squad and cast it in the Marvel Universe. So who is their Amanda Waller? Who's their keeper? You know, Who's their, uh, who's their field leader? Uh, which villains make the cut You know, and, and things like that. So and I have it'll one- be interesting – Okay. I was gonna say I have one stipulation I want to throw in there since uh, you know the, the Marvel U kind of already does have its Suicide Squad in the Thunderbolts. We put right. no Thunderbolts in the cast. Ooh, okay. All right. So yeah, <laughs> so that's gonna force us to dig deep. I like it. You know, I like it. So yeah. So who is who's gonna be that team? Um, and, and no Thunderbolt ties. All right. I like it. That'll that'll get me to do some research. This <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Uh, another issue. In the long box, if you want. Um, you know, like I said earlier, give us all your suggestions. Uh, come talk to us. Just talk to us in general. We love to talk. Uh, but other than that, this has been Imagine If Presents Characters 101, The Jackal, on Geek Elite Radio, saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.